In a letter to the Christians in and around a city called Rome, Paul writes this. In Romans chapter 8, he says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know about you, but over the years, I've heard many, many Christians use the first half of what we just read as some sort of proof that, that God God wants them to be happy. And in fact, I mean, that makes sense, right? If you just read the first half, God works out everything for good. So therefore, God must want me to be what? Happy. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with being happy. In fact, I, I believe what one pastor and theologian wrote in a book, he said this, it's not wrong to want to be happy. God has given you the capacity for enjoyment and placed wonderful things around you to enjoy. The problem is not that this is a wrong goal, but that it is a way too small a goal. God is working on something deep, necessary, and eternal. If he was not working on this, he would not be faithful to his promises to you. And so the obvious question that you have to ask is this, what are God's promises to you? Well, the answer is simply this, that God wants to make you more like Jesus. You see, God is not primarily concerned with growing your personal happiness. He is, in fact, more concerned about growing your Christ likeness. Now, whether you realize this or not, God's desire is that you would grow in maturity in every facet of your life, whether that's spiritually, emotionally, financially, or relationally. Last week, we, we talked about the lessons that God was teaching us through this pandemic about our spiritual lives. And, and today, what I want to do is I, I want to explore the lessons that, that, that God may be teaching us about what it means to have healthy relationships. Now, I'll give you a fair warning. Uh, by the time we get to the end of our time together, I, I may in fact take you in a direction that some of you weren't expecting we would go. Uh, but, I mean, let's just be honest. You should be used to that by now, right? Detours and hard left turns uh, shouldn't be something that surprises anyone as much as they did before this pandemic. So, with that said, listen in on these two conversations I have, one with Lauren and another with Jesse, who are both a part of Clarity Church, and see if you can't recognize what God has been teaching them about life and, and, and the areas of their doing and being that God would want to mature them in, specifically in their relationships. So Josh and I have been married for almost four years, um, and we have a 15-month-old daughter um, and two cats. And we also have my sister who lives with us, and we also had Josh's friend Barry who was living with us as well. So it was kind of a full house. Yeah, yeah. full house. Yeah. Um, so we, Josh has been home all winter. He works seasonally. Um, so he's kind of been used to just kind of being cooped up at home, and he loves it. <laughs> he, like does not mind that we're like locked inside at all times right now. Yeah. Um, and then I was working from home. So we're both pretty much used to being home. Um, but kind of having the world tell you that you can't go out unless if you really need to has been kind of challenging. 
Um, I think for Josh and I, we really relied on grandparents to help watch Nora while we were both doing homework um, or just needed a little bit of a break, and we don't have that now. Um, so watching a toddler 24-7 gets a little tiring. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of a big change for us is just always having Nora, um, which we're grateful for, but it's also stretched us patience-wise. Um, so that's the biggest thing. You know, we talk about uh, how many people can't wait until this is over so that mm -hmm. our lives can get back to, quote, normal. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Have you, have you experienced anything in this time that you're like, you know, I hope that this reality or this lesson that we've learned doesn't change once we go back to normal. When, when things start up over again, mm -hmm. um, you know, here's, here's something that we did learn, um, either that we, we don't want to do or something that like, man, this was, this is something that we, we should continue to do. Yeah. Um, so I think one of them is probably we've been able to just have like breakfast, lunch, and dinner together every single day. Um, and I know that eventually when Josh gets back to work in a week or two, he, we're not going to be able to have lunch together, but like purposefully like trying to make meals together, me waking up early to have the early breakfast with him or, yeah. um, so there's some of that of just being intentional um, with our family members. Um, also just even like with Nora, like trying to teach her the yeses and nos and the pleases and thank yous um, and trying to do that with each other. So Josh and I, you know, uh, we don't really like say, Oh, thank you. Please. Can I have some more? And just trying to do that a little bit more. Right. Um, so that's probably the biggest one. The other one would be, kind of what's been taken away and what I want to do moving forward is we haven't really obviously been able to hang out with friends or family or community. Um, and so there's a big part of me that just misses that so much yeah. um, and just feels like, Oh wow, I've taken for granted hmm. spending time with family. And you know, the few times we're like, oh, do we really have to go do this? I just want <laughs> a blank day to myself or whatever. Um, and just saying like, wow, well, that's like such a blessing moving forward so cool is there is there anything uh you know I, I, as i said everyone's gonna see this yeah mm -hmm. uh, your church family's gonna see this is there anything that you would want to say to everyone out out there if if, if, if i don't know if you want to encourage them or just mm -hmm. something you want to say to them uh knowing that they're going to be oh excuse me <laughs> knowing that they're going to be watching this yeah you know i guess the biggest thing i kind of thought about going into this was how much fear is such a huge motivator right now for people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just encourage people not to be afraid um, and that we've got a God who cares a lot about us um, and is going to provide even, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because some people feel like they're not being provided for and they don't have the money to meet ends meet. Yeah. Um, but I just trust and know that God has such great plans for each of our lives. So that would be my biggest, biggest thing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, Lauren, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'll let you get back to your family time, but thank you so much for, for doing this and look forward to hopefully seeing you, to guys, seeing you guys together in person really, really soon. So, <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, thanks again. Have a good night. Thanks, Phil. Bye. What lessons did you hear? What really stuck out to you or what really seemed to resonate with 
what God has been teaching you in this season. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, what really stuck out was listening to Lauren talk about how she realized that she had often taken time with people for granted. And, you know, it's kind of interesting how it takes times like what we're all going through to reveal that what we often thought were moments of us taking time for self-health or maybe self-care were in fact really just moments of taking for granted time with people. Now, what has this time outside of your comfort zone taught you about you? <laughs> what, what has maybe God been teaching you about what he wants to mature in you, not only just personally, emotionally, spiritually, but what is it that God wants to teach you about how you handle your relationships? Now, you might not have had the opportunity to be in an interview like some of the people who are today, but listen, you can actually participate and share with us what God is teaching you in the chat section today. You never really may know how God uses your vulnerability and transparency to speak into someone's life. So I encourage you to go ahead and share with us. Now, before uh, we show you this next interview I had with Jesse, let me <laughs> just start by saying that uh, Jesse was literally the first person that I was able to interview for this series. And I definitely got better and better at facilitating interviews after each subsequent interviews. And so with that said, I totally lost track of time <laughs> during my interview with Jesse. And what was supposed to be a five-minute interview ended up turning to be like this 20-minute interview. And, and, and so listen, for those of you who know me, that is nothing on Jesse. That is totally my fault. So that one's on me. So I, I do want to let you know for the sake of time and really for the purposes of today's focus, I only included what I thought was the most meaningful and insightful lessons that Jesse has been learning during this pandemic regarding uh, um, what God would want to teach her about growing relationally with others. So uh, listen in and as Jesse talks about uh, how what some people have seen as a negative in this whole stay-at-home reality has actually helped her grow in regards to her relationships. One of the things I've actually really loved is getting to connect with people I miss the in-person interaction, but I have gotten to speak to my family and I've gotten to speak to Corey's family and my college roommates have had at least a couple Google Hangouts a week and we rarely get together in person, even though a lot of them live in the cities. So we've all been talking about how much we really appreciate staying connected better because this kind of cultural environment and situation that we're in the middle of has forced us to do that and it's stripped away so many other things that we can no longer do that we have the time for it and so I think we're coming to value those connections even more I know I am and that's something that I want to continue prioritizing um, because now if someone says oh hey I'm free tomorrow at seven and I was thinking about maybe like catching up on a show or something. Well, that doesn't seem very important compared to connecting with my friends. Oh. But when everything gets 
back to like normal or whatever that looks like, there are going to be more things competing for my time. And I want to continue honoring those things that I do really value. Um, like spending time with people and being willing to kind of rearrange my schedule for that and actually recognize what is really important. Um, and knowing what that means and understanding what that means in different seasons and on different days and knowing what I do need and not forcing myself to be productive and get all the things done. Um, but to connect with people or to rest or to do whatever it is that I really need to be doing. Yeah. So it sounds like, uh, if I was just like, maybe to sum up what you said, like for you, um, hopefully in the new season, you would hope that the heightened sense of valuing people doesn't get trumped when the normal rhythms of life will want you to value productivity when regular yeah. life hits, right? And so that's cool. That's cool. I, I appreciate it. So, but before I go, what is one thing you would want to say to your church family? If, they were, if you knew they were watching, which they will be, what would you want to say? What is a word of encouragement you want to give to them, uh, uh, to everybody watching? I think one thing that I've just been holding on to is knowing that this will end at some point. We don't know when, we don't know exactly how, we don't know what's going to happen before we get there, but we do know that this will end. And I think it's really encouraging to think too, that we can be praying for that. We can be asking God to end this, to wipe it out, to stop the spread of it. Um, And again, it might not look the way we want it to, and it might not happen when we want it to, um, but we can take comfort in knowing that we will get through it eventually <laughs> um, and that it won't always be like this forever. We won't all be stuck in our homes and forced to stay six feet away from other people forever. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for your time. And I appreciate yeah. you. And uh, anyway, as well, well, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. I'm sure Jesse isn't the only person who is learning that they need to prioritize time with others in community more. And that in this next start over, that that is something that we need to make a commitment to do. Now, remember at the beginning when I said I was most likely by the time we get to the end here, going to take us into a direction that most of you didn't expect? Well, here goes nothing. Obviously, uh, I could talk about how the scriptures would want us to grow in our relationships with others, but after listening to Lauren and Jesse, I think they made a lot of great points that you could take to the bank and immediately improve the relationships you have with your friends and your family. What I want to address is something that all of us who are followers of Jesus, especially those of you who call Clarity home, what I want to address is is something that really we should all be aware of as we look forward to what it means to be the church, to live life together on mission with God after life in the middle of a uh, pandemic. So if it's true, if it's true, if you believe that God has chosen you and that he desires that you look more and more like Jesus, 
then these questions beg to be answered. The first question is this. What does Jesus then look like? And the second question is kind of like it. How does God plan to make us more and more like Jesus? Now, here's the thing that I know. God has a purpose he wants to accomplish through every problem, through every child we face in this life. And his primary purpose for you, his primary purpose for me, and uh, uh, th- really through, through all of us in these times, is actually to grow us up to look more and more like Jesus. Now, if you spend some time looking at the life of Jesus, as told by the scriptures, you'll see what the Bible calls the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5 lists them and it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. You see, God is making you more and more like Jesus when he succeeds at producing these fruits in your lives. The problem is (laughs) that God primarily teaches us what it means to become like Jesus by putting you, by putting me, in situations that actually require it. When was the last time your life was so deeply involved in the life of the people of the local church that you're a part of that you you had to practice patience. You had to practice humility. You had to practice gentleness. When was the last time you opened your life to the people you call your local church in a way that required others to bear with you in love and with patience? Here's the thing. In chasing the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, we as Americans can often believe the lie that if something doesn't feel very life-giving, or if something feels like you're trapped, I'm trapped, I don't feel very free, I feel held back, I don't feel free to do what I want to do, or if something doesn't ultimately make you happy, then you can and you should avoid it. The problem is with this kind of thinking has unfortunately led many people to believe that they are pursuing a maturing and growing Christian life by being part of a church that, one, doesn't give them a reason to live in humility. They're able to go to a church that allows them just to kind of have happy feelings and and maybe feel guilt according to how the scripture is going with them. You know, like, oh, I feel convicted. But when it comes to how the, how the, how, how the New Testament describes God's sanctifying work and making us more and more like Jesus, it's through the life of the body. We actually, there, there isn't a time that you can remember that you had to practice some humility. When we live our life this way, it, you know, there's many people that they don't have a reason to live in humility and they also don't have a reason to exercise humility and great and gentleness. I mean, when was the last time that you had to exercise this? 
This kind of thinking has also led people to believe that they're pursuing a mature and growing Christian life by being part of a church. They, they say, in order for me to grow, I need to be a part of a church that doesn't require me to live with the kind of transparency that requires other people to be patient with me and to bear with all my faults in love. I just want to go to a church where I can kind of live my Instagram life, where I can wear my highlight reels, and you can celebrate your highlights with reels with me, and I can celebrate my highlights with you. I don't want to go to a church that wants to dig deep into my issues, and my daddy issues, and my hurt issues, and my relational issues, and this and that, and my personal... I don't like that. I just, I just want to feel nice and warm and fuzzy, but I don't know. When I look at the scriptures, and I feel really Francis Chan right now, when I look at the scriptures, when I just look at the Bible and what it says... Okay, that's what Francis... But, but seriously, when I look at the scriptures, it tells me that part of being a vibrant church and being in a place where you're growing is living your life in such a way with the people of God. Remember the context. This is not just your friends. This is the diversity. Remember 1 chapter 3? We are all different and we are one. God has broken down the walls of hostility. So it's with different people who don't look like you, don't talk, don't vote like you, who annoy the living daylights out of you when they talk about and you read their Facebook post and you're like, oh my goodness, how are they a Christian? When you live your life in unity with them, when you figure out what that looks like, the scripture tells us that you are now actually living the kind of life through whom which God accomplishes his work. And then that church is the church. Those people are the church. When we all get a start over to what it means to be the church after living life in the middle of a pandemic, there will be a lot of opinions of what it means to be the church gathered. In fact, just over the last couple of weeks, I've read dozens of articles and I've been in tons of meetings with church pastors, ministry leaders, and theologians from all over the United States. And here's the thing that I've learned. There are a lot of opinions about what next steps for the church should look like. Now, when we get a start over to being the church without a pandemic, some of you some of you may look at what your church decides to do and you will absolutely love it. On the other hand, there are going to be those of you who look at the decisions that we decide to make about what it means to be the church gathered, to be a gospel witness to those in our circles of influence, and you are going to absolutely hate it. <laughs> and then, of course, we always have the outliers and there's going to be a segment of people who have no opinion, either or, about what it means for us to be the church gathered. Now, when we eventually get this, my hope and prayer, when we eventually get this chance, and listen to me closely here, my hope and prayer is that this local church, you, me, and everyone else who is clarity, my hope is that we would all be prepared to really engage deeply with each other, even though it means that we will be forced to practice the fruits of the Spirit. After all, let me ask you a question. I mean, don't you want to become more and more like Jesus? I mean, don't you want to grow? Then be encouraged when God actually gives you the opportunity to practice what it means to have love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 